Good morning, welcome. It's good to have you here with us this morning on this Mother's Day or Mothering Sunday, whichever phrase you like to use. I'd like to say thank God for all the women in our lives. I hope and pray you are showing your appreciation to the women around you, particularly uh, mothers. But we thank God for all women and pray that each and every one of you know how precious and beautiful you are because of Jesus Christ and that you are created in the image of God. Before I start on going through in John's Gospel, chapter 7, let me just um, remind you of the doorstep blessings. I hope you're not getting fed up with this. You can see behind me some Easter eggs. I was inspired by one of our doorstep blessings who received some Easter eggs, chocolates and juice, and it got me thinking about leaving the real meaning of Easter with the real Easter egg at people's doors, my neighbours' doors, not my church family, but my neighbours who have children and no children. So I went and got a load of eggs and I'm going to put a little Christian message, a loving message with that Easter egg, hoping to spread the real meaning of Easter on the doorsteps of our neighbourhoods. And I was also inspired about somebody saying, I left a doorstep blessing on my door to bless the delivery people. What creativity, what inspiration. Thank you guys, please keep on with the momentum of doorstep blessings, changing the pandemic of sadness and loneliness, anxiety and fear with love, hope, joy and peace light and laughter. Come on guys, keep doing it. Thank you very much. Well, we're going to crack on with chapter 7 of John's Gospel. As I was preparing this, it got me thinking about bubbles. I don't know about you, but I love bubbles. Oh, that didn't work, that one. Let's see if this one works. This could go horribly wrong. Oh, it's going horribly wrong. Um, it went all right earlier in my dummy run, but my bubbles have obviously gone, oh, there goes one, there goes one. I don't know if you can see it on the camera, but my bubbles aren't going as well. There we go, there's another one. What got me thinking, oh, there we go, there's a whole bunch there, was how I'm feeling a little bit isolated, like a little bubble, a little spring of God's living water, isolated and not as effective as I could be if I was with the people of God in ways that we were familiar with. I wonder whether you're feeling like a bubble that's isolated, that's separated, a single little bubble. When you have loads of bubbles moving together, floating together, flowing together, it absolutely transforms the environment that we're in. Every child seems to love bubbles. Today we're going to be looking at what it means for us to be the believers who have flowing rivers coming out of us. Verse 38 of John chapter 7 says, Out of the believer's heart flow rivers of living water. Maybe you're not feeling as if you're flowing the rivers of living water. Maybe you feel a bit isolated and a bit dried up. 
almost like a bubble that's about to burst. I wonder what it means for you to drink that living water. I remember the first time I drank from a, a, a mountain spring in the mountains of Snowdonia. At first, I was apprehensive to go and drink from this uh, natural spring water because I'm from the city, the big city of London, and that didn't seem right. I was brought up not to drink from water on the streets. And to me, water coming from rocks and mountains must have been dirty, but clearly we, are, we know that um, water coming from the mountain um, is purified as it comes down the, the stones and the rocks. Since then, I've learned that the natural spring is what the soul, the body thirsts for, pure living water. So we're going to look at that pure living water in a little while. I wonder if you remember the advert, the Heineken advert. It says, Heineken refreshes the parts what other beers cannot reach. And this passage that um, speaks of living water, Jesus deliberately speaks at a prominent time, which we're going to look into just a moment. And God's living water is able to refresh all the parts that other spiritual waters cannot reach. Things of this world like Heineken and fast foods and social media and clothes and wealth and health can touch and reach something of our deepest needs but the core the belly the heart of who we really are in Christ can only be met with the living water that comes from God we've talked a bit about living water and we enter again in John chapter 7 this whole language this whole metaphor in fact it's more than a metaphor of living water it is absolutely crucial critical to our lives. This living water is more than a future eternal promise. It's something that helps us to receive heaven here and now. John is eager for his readers to capture the, the significance of this time that Jesus went into one of the three major festivals in the Hebrew time, uh, uh, Bible in the people of Israel at the time, how crucial this, this point that Jesus meets us in this festival. Let us just set that scene a little bit. I don't know whether you've been to a festival or what festivals you might have been. I was trying to imagine the festival feeling. In Jerusalem, there would have been tens of thousands of extra visitors at this festival, the Festival of Booths, the, 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 the Festival of Tabernacles, the ingathering. And Jesus plans strategically how he's going to um, bring this revelation of living water that's spoken from Genesis right away through to Revelations and through the prophets and into the New Testament. So try to picture the greatest festival that you've ever been to. I've been to Spring Harvest, or maybe not a festival, but a, a gathering of God's people seeking to celebrate together, learn together, worship together, and um, 
be a part of God's movement people together. I've been to um, Stonely Bible Week, an awesome time those, those, those events have finished. I've been to uh, Greenbelt, that's like a proper uh, Christian festival if you like. Uh, I've been to non-Christian festivals. The best festival I've ever been to is Boomtown. Boomtown is an arts and music festival, heaving with people who are coming together to, to enjoy life, not religious um, in any way. Um, very, very worldly. But this living water that we're going to explore together, we need to set that scene in John's Gospel. So let's just capture that festival moment, the festival of the booths. Most of you will know they were like small huts uh, or small tabernacles and it starts off in Genesis 33, 17. But Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth and built himself a house and made booths for his cattle. Therefore, the place is called Sukkoth. Sukkoth is a, means booth. And right from the beginning, we get an insight to these tabernacles, these booths. This um, festival is the last one of the year. It is the uh, time of September, October. It is the 15th day of the Tishri, which is the um, Hebrew Bible. And Exodus reminds us that it is a feast of ingatherings, the harvest, preparing for the next harvest, gathering this last harvest, the end of the year, winter is coming, and they're planting and preparing for the abundance God is going to give them in the next year. In Exodus 23, 16, when grains and fruits were gathered at the harvest end, the Feast of Booths. Um, Leviticus 23, 34, recalling the days when the Israelites lived in huts, the Sukkot, during their years of wandering in the wilderness after the exodus from Egypt. So it's become a big deal. This is a seven-day festival with an eighth day at the end, a great day, the greatest day. Um, and uh, this is uh, all preparing. Jesus is entering into a journey um, and inviting us in this journey of moving from here to Passover to Pentecost. And we are invited to come and journey with Jesus in the ever-flowing rivers of life. At the time, um, this was causing division because um, Jesus was just seen as just one of those wonder-miracle people um, and, and, and they were confused to whether he was the Messiah or not and it was bringing division between the crowds. This festival is characterised by the erection of huts made of branches and put citrus fruit all around it. And there would have been uh, prayers inside it and maybe even the laws, the 613 laws of Moses. And there would have been uh, four species of plants covered all over it. And they were temporary dwellings, significantly uh, mentioned temporary dwellings. Our life here is a temporary dwelling. It's not all about get, reaching to heaven, it's about letting heaven come into us, enter into us in the here and now, as well as entering heaven in the future. 
So these seven days, the priests would be um, processing uh, from the temple to the pool of Siloam, where they would fill their, their jugs of uh, filled with water, this, this miracle pool that brings healing. Uh, they would have brought that water and it would have been spilt along the path. But on the eighth day, they did not do that because the work had been done. This seven-day procession was um, about the journey and the anticipation of the promises that God is going to bring a Messiah and there will be living water, there will be liberation. We'll be set free from the oppressions of this world, particularly in this time, in the New Testament times um, and the turn of the New Testament times, the Roman imperialism. What is also significant in this is the, the, the dates, the, the, the number seven. Celebrated as the seventh feast, occurred during the seventh month, three major feasts, uh, festivals, and but seven feasts throughout the year. Occurred during the seventh month, during the seventh full moon, and celebrated for seven days. It relates to Genesis 1 and 2 of the seven days of creation. There are other um, thoughts behind it, which we haven't got time to go into, but there's a connection there, something of perfection, completeness. It got me contemplating on our own huts. What do our own huts look like? During this time of isolation, I don't know about you, it feels like I've built my own hut of praise and devotion. I've always had a place, a space in my home for that, a hut if you like then. But now we are scattered and isolated. There's a correlation there for me that we've all got our separate booths. We're all like little bubbles, um, little droplets of living water. And the river of life, the living river, is reaching and connecting other droplets of the river of life. Droplets of water, of spirit, bringing us together, preparing us for something great, something grand, something beautiful, something out of this world, something heavenly. So if you're feeling like you're an isolated droplet of living water, Remind yourself that God is preparing his church for the rushing, the cascading of the living water. So in chapter 7, verses 1 to 6, we get even his brothers are not believing who Jesus is. Jesus says, um, they're gonna, they say to Jesus, they're going to go to the festival. Jesus says he isn't going to go. Then he changes his mind. In this uh, passage, we have um, the section of unbel uh, the unbelieving brothers of Jesus, but the turning of the tide. Jesus is promising them that his time is not ready yet. They want him to go to the festival. Jesus says, no, but he changes his mind and goes. But they're wanting him to show his glory, to show who he really is, if he really is 
who he says he is, or who they think he says he is. Verse 6 says, Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. It's this, this beginning of chapter 7 of John's Gospel is a bit like a skilled sailor who can read the weather and sense when the tide is turning. He's waiting for the moment when it is right to set the sails. He has a plan in mind which is gradually coming to light. This is exactly what Jesus do, is doing. He's got a plan with God. He knows it's coming. His time is just not ready. His time of glorification. Before that, there is great suffering. I know we've suffered a lot over this last year. I do sadly believe suffering will get worse. When? How? I'm not sure. But for God's glory to come, for the cascades of rivers of life to flood through, we have to expect tough times. But God prepares us with those, for those tough times with his living water. So the tide is turning. And John can see this later on when he writes it some um, 60 years later. Um, and he's trying to get the current readers to grasp what was going on at that time because so many people didn't. And it was bringing division. That's what living water does. It brings division of those in the world and those seeking for the kingdom of God. Verse 10 to 18 um, continues the disputes about Jesus' authority. Verse 17 says, Anyone who resolves to do the will of God will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own. There's this whole discourse going on about this isn't of God. Well, if you knew God, you would know it's of um, God. You know I'm from God. He sent me. But they were so lost in their own um, uh, personal perspectives and agendas that they had missed what the word of God was really claiming. How do we know whether God is at work in and through us? God never stops his work in us. We may stop him because he, but because he is gracious, he honours our personal desires and lets us have our way. But to do the will of God will cause us to um, not be so absorbed in the ways of this world. So how are we resolving to do the will of God? If we resolve to do the will of God, we will know God is on the move. Verses 19 to 30 talks about Moses and the Messiah. And in verse 29, Jesus says, I know him because I am from him and he sent me. They accuse Jesus of having a, a demon. They say that no, no prophet comes from Judea. And Jesus says to him, if you knew my father, you would know me. But clearly you do not know me. So the scene is the biggest festival or one of the biggest festivals of the years. Tens of thousands of visitors, uh, from, um, Israelites visiting. Jesus waits to the middle of the week and then he makes this big, bold claim, which we're going to hear through our reading. This 
is a reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 31 through to verse 39. Still, many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, When the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. I'm so fascinated when they hear of Jesus in the middle of the week teaching, profound teaching. They were drawn and enamoured of his teaching, but also offended that such a low-life person who had no status could have such wisdom, who doesn't have a rabbi. And Jesus then is challenged by the religious leaders of how on earth can this man be who people are saying he is? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will search for me and you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? They were indignant that the scriptures didn't seem to align with what was happening or their interpretation of the scriptures did not align with what was taking place on this festival, during this festival. So they attempt to arrest Jesus, but they can't arrest Jesus. Verse 33 says, Jesus then said, I will be with you a little while longer and then I am going to him who sent me. He determines when he's going to be arrested. The time, they had not got enough evidence. They had not got the bravery. They would have disrupted a very sacred festival and they would have caused a huge amount of um, unsettling people. People getting angry, people getting riled and the Roman authorities would have stood in and had to take order. It would have been pandemonium. They knew they were playing with fire and they knew their heart were ill intent. They were drinking the wrong water. They weren't drinking the living water. 
Jeremiah 2, 13 says this, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. They were drinking the wrong water. What water are you drinking? Because if you are drinking the right water, verse 38 in chapter 7 of John's Gospel, out of the bellies, the, out of the believers' bellies, believers' hearts, believers' stomachs, the very core of who they really are shall flow rivers of living water. And Richard Foster says this, the astonishing new reality in this mighty flow of the Spirit is how sovereignly God is bringing together streams of life that have been isolated from one another for a very long time. What a prophetic statement. He was talking about the then, but it applies to the now, how we feel so isolated and feeling perhaps like droplets, little bubbles of this living water. And we want to overflow. We want to stand in the shower of God's living water for it to flow and flood over us. There's nothing greater than after a hot day's work where you're sweating and you're aching to stand in the shower and be washed over. That image of being washed over spiritually allows us to refuel our four energy tanks. The problem is so many of us are in danger of fueling our four energy tanks with the wrong water, with dirty water, with water that has not been purified. These um, words of Jesus echoes uh, from Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money can buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labour for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. What is your spiritual food? This living water nourishes the four energy tanks that each of us have. You know, often you hear people saying, if only there was eight days in a week or 28 hours in a day, that's not going to make a difference. That's not going to fuel our energy tanks. Life is not so much about trying to increase what we squeeze into our time that we have, it's about how we use our energy tanks and how we fuel our energy tanks. At, if, you've, if you notice at the filling stations where you go and fill your car up, if you drive that is, that you have a choice to make, premium unleaded or super unleaded, low sofa, sulfur diesel or V-power diesel. The Holy Spirit, the living water, is our V-power, our super unleaded fuel that allows our four energy tanks 
to get the nourishment, the proper fuel it desires and it deserves. These four pies, if I've called them an acronym I hope you like, the four pies energy tanks are physical, intellectual, emotional and spiritual. You see, so often we think our goal is to convert, our goal is to change the world, our goal is to get to heaven because this is just temporary and it doesn't matter what happens in this world because one day we're going to be in heaven. It does matter what happens in this world. What happens, more, what is more important is what is happening now because what is happening now prepares you to what's going to be happening tomorrow. So don't worry about heaven, you've got it. You're signed up, you're in. Now let heaven come into you like a mustard seed, it says in Luke's gospel. You know, the smallest of seeds is a mustard seed. And when you plant that seed, it grows into a huge tree that birds sit on. Jesus says, um, what is the kingdom of heaven like? And he says, how can, I, how can I illustrate this? How can I help you understand what the kingdom of heaven is like? It's like a tiny mustard seed. It's like a tiny droplet dropped into your life. A droplet from heaven. A droplet of the living water. If we all had a droplet of this living water, we would see our lives transformed and people's lives touched and moved. Not in a way that we need them to. I don't need to worry about anyone else's life. I need to be more focused on my life. How am I allowing the droplets of heaven, the living water, the droplets of the living water to fill my tanks, my, my spiritual tank, because it will help my emotional tank, my intellectual tank and my physical tank. We are so preoccupied with social media and wonderful fast food, if you like fast food, junk food, or, or what we look like in the clothes that we wear, or what our bodies look like in physique. It doesn't matter what we're looking like on the inside. If you want to change your behaviour for the better, for the glory of God, don't worry too much about whether you're in a gym or whether you're doing daily exercise or whether you're eating the right foods or not, whether you're drinking alcohol or not, whatever you're putting in, your body won't change who you are unless you are opening your hearts and minds to the living water, the droplets that come from heaven. There's going to be a raging river coming. And God is preparing his people to participate in the flooding of the rivers. No dam will be able to withstand the flood of God's grace and mercy upon this world. There is no dam in the world which will be able to withstand the force. It breaks every human and demon demonic barrier. It breaks every human and demonic barrier. The V power of God is the Holy Spirit, the living water. It transforms us from the inside out and that reveals our true beauty. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Changes from the inside brings heavenly beauty on the outside. Tom Wright um, reflects on his trip in, to Israel as he stands on the Qumran um, mountains or hills. He says this, his visit to Qumran and the Dead Sea on his journey to Israel, standing in the hills above the Dead Sea, you realise in a new way where the idea came from that Jesus refers to in verse 
38. You can still see the ancient aqueduct that the group at Qumran carved out of the side of the hill so that on the rare occasion when freak storm brought sudden living water cascading down the normally dry beds, some at least could be diverted, ending up in the large cisterns that the community had carved out as storage tanks for the long dry weeks and months. God had prepared us for this time of isolation, this time of restriction, this time of COVID-19. And he just says, fill your cisterns, because there are going to be times where you are in a barren land, in a dry wilderness, and you are going to be isolated, scattered, separated, and you're going to be wondering what's going on. But be sure of this, God is preparing rivers of living water for those that are opening their hearts, minds and souls and bodies to the perfect fuel for the human conditioning. God's desire for our energy tanks is to receive rivers of life-giving water. Out of the believer's heart come streams of living water. It is like Jesus referring to Ezekiel 47, verse 12. The water for them flows from the sanctuary. The sanctuary once was a physical building in Jerusalem. The sanctuary now is Jesus Christ in our hearts, in our lives, in every fibre of our bodies. Jesus is our sanctuary. The Holy Spirit is the, the inexhaustible fountain of living water bringing life to the one who desires to drink from it and yet it brings division between the believer and many of those in the world around us. At the end of this festival booth, priests would be pouring water and wine around the altar. At these festivals, regular prayers would have included the call of rain for the next season and this rain was spiritually related to the raising of the dead, the resurrection, and the wine was related to the new covenant, the new life for the forgiveness of sins for God's people. Jesus spoke directly into what was going on. The language would have been very familiar. The timing would have been impeccable. And it shocked many people. The crowds were stirred up. The religious leaders were indignated. Indig upset, annoyed. Indignant is the word I was looking for. But Revelations 22 reminds us that the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Have you seen the water of life. Have you allowed yourself to be open to the fuel from heaven, the living water? Life is not so much about trying to increase our capacity by any means. It's about allowing God to give us perfect fuel, perfect energy. Life isn't about how much you can do and how much you can squeeze in. Life is about reflecting something of the glory of God, letting heaven flow through you. So instead of a literal new city and a temple building, the sanctuary is Jesus living with us in our everyday 
Who wants this life-giving, bubbling spring of inner and outer spiritual beauty and energy that is contagious and life-transforming? Tom Wright says, God's refreshing personal presence. Do you want God's refreshing personal presence? The life the life-giving, living cascade of refreshing, running spiritual energy brings healing, wholeness and freedom to nations. It bears fruit of every kind. It says, um, Richard Foster says this, if we are people rich in social relationships, we are rich indeed. Whenever we develop significant friendships with those who are not like us culturally, we become broader, wiser persons. Out of the believer's stomach, belly, inner being flows living water. Rivers of living water. Spiritual richness will fuel all your other energy tanks. Doesn't matter whether you are a physically active person or a more contemplative person. Doesn't, ma- doesn't matter whether you feel f- completely restricted or completely set free. Spiritual richness comes from drinking from the fountain of life. The life of Jesus, says Henry Newman, tells us that not being in control is part of the human condition. His vocation and ours are fulfilled not just in action, but also in passion, waiting. Passion, waiting. We're heading for Passion Week, a week where we're going to have daily devotions, which will be sent out by email, but also recorded. And I invite you to come with me on that journey as we continue opening our, 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 our vessels of life, our vessels of who we are, to receive droplets from heaven. Because God, I believe, wants to rain down on us. He doesn't just want us to have little bubbles. I wonder if my bubbles are going to work for the final time. I don't know. Maybe I need to stir it up a little bit and um, get it going. I don't want to just be, oh, it's not working. How embarrassing. A little bubble. That's not actually a bubble at the moment. No, it's not working. So we're going to have to skip. Oh, there we go. Praise God on the last attempt. I don't want just to be a little bubble. I want to be a flowing river, a flooding river of God's richness. Doesn't matter where you are in life, the richness of God can bring streams of living water and it will create more streams of living water. So, if your energy tank is depleting, Turn from self-reliance to God-reliance and put your faith in the all-sufficient power of future grace that flows like a river bringing life wherever it goes. Whatever storm or wilderness you and I may find ourselves in, God is present because he no longer resides in a temple made by human hands. We have access to the never-ending flowing resources of spiritual richness for out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water i pray in the mighty name of jesus that you with me call upon god to rain down his river of life 
as we conclude our time together. May this be the beginning of that rich, flowing river of life coming out from your belly, from your stomach, from your inner being. And may you bring life wherever you go. May heaven fall upon you right here, right now, as we soak ourselves in to the river of living water, the Holy Spirit, in our final hymn. May God bless you and enrich you.